I still, I've still yet to find an intro intro, like a way that I'm like, yo, it's me. Part of it, I figure, you know, I always think about like, it's funny, like my show, my one of my favorite podcasts and what got me into podcasting as far as listening to them and then even wanting to, and again, you know, I don't really call this a podcast. This is the Marcus Hendricks show. This is a show. This is damn near a talk show. Uh, soon enough, we're going to get, I want to get a full fucking uh, like studio and sit down, have my uh, my Oprah. You know, I got my tea. Look, get y'all a little more ASMR. Can you hear it? <sighs> no, but yeah, I want to. I'm like, I want to have my guest on with my special Henny Blue Blend tea. That sounds phenomenal, Henny Blue Blend. Ooh, ooh, that Henny Blue Blend. And man, you know it'll be infused. Like, you know, we gets down. Anyway, part of my take, it starts. You know, like some some podcasts will do the. We'll give you a slight in, like preview into the episode, and then the music comes, and then whatever they do for their intro, if there is one. BMT has a great intro. The Electric Avenue starts off. Well, it starts with, welcome to part of my take. But yeah, it's fucking, it's, it's phenomenal. So, intro-wise, welcome, welcome back, welcome back. I think that is my intro, when I just hit the welcome, welcome back to the Marcus Hendricks Show. It is me, your main man, the same man, the guy that's always here and will always be here forever here. I'm timeless, baby. We don't, the real niggas don't die. We just multiply. And uh, that's definitely, like Toby said, I just want to give me and my queen and plant a bunch of seeds of some black mother. Shut your mouth. I was with my nigga Tommy yesterday. He had uh, had his hair picked out. If you know Tommy, you know the, the classic braids, legendary. He had his hair picked out. When I FaceTimed him first, I was like, look at this nigga looking like Shaft. He's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Speaking of a bad mother, shut your mouth. I want to take y'all back real quick. Let's just do a little little visual visualization, right? Let's reminisce. And then I say reminisce as if, bitch, I wasn't born until 2000. So let's just go back. Let's, let's transplant ourselves. The year is 1996, okay? I'll give you the exact date. June 25th, 1996, okay? An album drops, and you hear the song... Now, now I, because because I know the history of it, I know that this is not how it went, but I know that being able to, you know, hindsighted, retroactive, revisionist history, the game, an album drops, and that album is Reasonable Doubt. It's the first, the first output from the GOAT, Jehovah, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt drops, and the intro to it is Can't Knock the Hustle, with a young woman also from New York named Mary J. Blige who at that time, you know, we know Mary, or they know Mary, and then the visual, we're, we're transplanting ourselves, so we know Mary at that point. And, but just, you know, you've got, you got Can't Knock the Hustle, followed by Politics as Usual, Brooklyn's Finest, Dead Presidents 2. That, 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 
So if you know, okay, The Evils is is a fucking insane song. Can I Live? I love that song. Ain't No Nigga is Ridiculous. This episode is titled Reasonable Doubt and Black Entertainment Television, BET. There's a double play on words on both sides. Um, the Reasonable Doubt is speaking to a TV show that is Black Entertainment Television, but not from BET, as well as this album by Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, and then Black Entertainment Television also being BET, the network and company that is actually owned by a white man. I don't know if it still is. Don't don't back, don't quote me on that. But as far as I'm aware, BET has been owned by a white man for the past like 10 years, which is crazy, right? Or the fact that it ever was. But remember the white woman that infiltrated the NAACP? It's not a surprise, right? And it's funny because that's, that's a lot of where we're going today. Um, somewhat structure-wise, I guess we'll do a little bit of housekeeping right now. Structure-wise, I know I talked about this on episode one. I said we were going to get a new kind of flow to this um, that I wasn't going to introduce until today, and this is that. So solo episodes, specifically episodes where it's just me, but even some interview segmented episodes will include this as well. We're going to run. That's why I said I'm able to count exactly how many um, how many episodes there'll be this season off top. We're going by albums, by Jay-Z albums. So we've got Reasonable Doubt in My Lifetime Volume 1. Volume two, Hard Knock Life. Volume three, Life and Times of S. Carter, which, okay, because we're talking about retirement age at that point where he, you know, he retired after the dynasty. It, may, it was either the dynasty or the blueprint where he retired. Oh, well, I guess he came back with Kingdom Come. Um, but yeah, just looking at, I guess he retired like twice. So we've got, what's that? I'm pretty sure he's at 15 total, not including Watch the Throne. No, 13 total, not including Watch the Throne. And. Everything is love, which is why we're going 15. And there's, and I'm not going to do the double up, the one with Kelly, just because that's not, we don't have to go there, okay? There's an interview. There's a, there's a I think it's Hot 97. There's Jay, DMX, and I believe LL Cool J in studio. And they're, they're talking, and it's actually, it's on, it's on one of these tapes, like included in it. And it's, but it's funny to hear because he talks about, him and R. Kelly. Now, this is at the time where Jay-Z's just coming off of like a murder case or in a, in the middle of a murder case or like a major gun charge, felony gun charge on some murder, murder, kill shit. And obviously, R. Kelly is this is like first few accusations of him being R. Kelly, which is crazy because we I talked about this at one point. Yo, R. Kelly dropped an album either at the end of 2022 or so far this year. I know we're only in February. I think it was the end of 2022. And the nigga pretty, I think he called it, I did it, or like, the. I don't know, I forget what it was called, I didn't listen to that crap. And no offense to R. Kelly, you know, shout out Chicago legend, minus the, the nonsense, but man, Kelly, bad look. <laughs> if it's that simple, bad look. Let's see, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 14, 13, no, 13, 15. So yeah, we count, long story short, the reason I bring up Reasonable Doubt, specifically for this episode, well, obviously, you know, we're again talking about the kind of diving, not necessarily, this will not be an album review type vibe. It's just a look back at, at greatness, specifically Reasonable Doubt being, one, Jay-Z came onto the scene late, right? Like Jay-Z was already, Nas dropped his first album in 94, right? Biggie's first album, I think, was also 90. So it's like, I say late, but Jay was older than, like Jay was the old head. I think he was already 26, something like that. So you look at it and when people talk about the, the way it didn't come out to critical acclaim, but it's now seen as one of the most pivotal albums in rap history, 
specifically, you know, obviously changing the course of him, but also it's just a phenomenal freaking album, right? Like this is just a good album. Again, talking about the evils, the evils is one of those songs that friend or foe actually is, is friend or foe, yo, state your biz. That is one of my favorite. It's, it's so short, but that's one of my favorite Jay-Z just, just outputtings projects of all time. It's so real, right? But the reason I bring up Reasonable Doubt, like I said, is the underdog story of it, right? To think of an individual, specifically, we're talking about Sean Carter, that was ever once the underdog, and it's like, you wouldn't think it, but it's beyond true. And I say underdog again in that sense of, I don't think anybody thought this nigga was going to last. Not like that. You weren't expecting Reasonable Doubt, and then for him to come back a year later with In My Lifetime Volume 1, right? And then to bounce back with Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, and then to get to a point in 2017 where we've got a 444, right? Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming. So my message, my reasonable doubt message is, hey, let, let, niggas, let niggas feel how they gonna feel. They have to, right? They have to. So on the black, inter- because again, this, like I said, this ties in, black entertainment television. I remember in second grade, there was this girl named Lily, white girl. And I've talked about this before, how, you know, before moving to Denton, I didn't really know many white people. They lived on the south side of Chicago. No, even when I lived in the suburbs, I still didn't. We lived by them. Our neighbor, we had a couple, we had, you know, on our right, we had some white neighbors and they were white people in our neighborhood. I even went to school with them. I went to, I, don't, I wouldn't say it decently. I don't remember it being very diverse, but there were white people. Like that's, that's the diversity. That's the extent of our diversity. And even that second grade class I'm talking about, I had a white teacher. Think back to back years, first and second grade, I had white teachers. Um, and kindergarten. I don't know specifically whether she was white, but she wasn't black. I know that much. Point being, Lily. I had a crush on Lily. Big crush on Lily. And I remember I was sitting, I sat next to her in class. I remember I actually um, I stabbed myself with, with a pencil, a lead pencil on accident, not paying attention while we were taking a like test one day, like a vocab test, because I was looking at Lily. I remember that pretty vividly. <laughs> but I also remember very vividly Lily telling me that her parents wouldn't let her watch BET. Specifically, Lily calling it black entertainment television. Again, this is second grade. I don't think I knew that that's what it was called at that time, right? And it was because, and her parents said it was too ghetto, right? Like it was too ghetto for her. I also remember at that time, maybe not that year specifically, but at least by third grade, my favorite TV show was The Game. That may have still been on CBS right at that point, but it went to BET right around. Like in my third or fourth grade years is when the game would have went to BET. Basically, what I'm saying is, and but this is also at the time where BET wasn't relatively the smut that it had become. And I say smut in the nicest way. I don't mean it in like a derogatory way. I mean it for what it means, right? So it has a derogatory context, but we that's what we used to call it. Like my my parents, my uh, my parents they call it smut TV. And the point being, I just, I look at it, and again, talking about the TV show, Reasonable Doubt, that is on Hulu right now, it took me a month or two to actually get into it. I hadn't planned on watching it, right? And I knew they were marketing, like, they, they kept showing me ads for it. I knew that they were marketing it to me for a reason, right? Once I saw the title, and then I saw, you know, obviously, you got a black, powerful black woman lawyer. I see that you have, you know, each TV, each episode is titled after a Jay-Z song, so I figured, okay, yeah, it's clear why this is, you know, I'm the target audience here, no doubt. But that oftentimes is why I will ignore stuff like that because I know there's a difference between a target audience and targeting an audience, right? 
And what I felt like was happening was being targeted, right, off of my demographics. And look, lo and behold, I like the show. I really like the show. But here's why I like the show, right? And so we're diving into my notes real quick. I say why I like shows like Reasonable Doubt and Power and Godfather of Harlem. You know, because if, you know, what I, one thing I definitely talk about is stop the murder, murder, kill shit. Like, I don't, I, I'm tired of hearing of the murder, murder, kill shit, specifically within music. But I'm, I'm, I've gotten past the black trauma stories, the, um, you know, specifically the painting of an image that is not only incorrect or, or you know, not whole, but it's not being told by the people that it's supposed to be painting an image of. And that's how we've always, you know, it's always been in general, just the power system, but specifically as far as it pertains to, to black life, right? Like it's always been this image that has been out of our control. And not only that, but it's spun in this negative way to continue to keep it out of our control, right? Or if it does get put in our control, it's only, you have to go down this one lane, right? And I'm, I'm so far past that. Specifically, I'm past it because again, talking about the target audience versus the targeted audience or targeting an audience. I think we've got to get to this point and we are at this point, this you know turning of the curve, this turning of the tide where you're no longer going to be able to get at me. Like you, you can't make the negative shit and then expect that I'm just going, because it's the only thing, it's no longer my only option, right? But for a while it was our only option. It was all we had. The only thing we had was black entertainment. Tele- our only black entertainment television was BET. So whether a white man owned it or anybody else, or corporation or an individual, it didn't matter. Oprah still had to make her rise. Tyler Perry still had to make, he had to make Medea movies, right? Martin had to make Big Mama's House. This is also why when I, again, talking about the Will Smith and Emancipation side, I'm very happy to see a second I Am Legend coming out, especially with my favorite recent actor, MBJ. I love Michael B. Jordan. And for a lot of the same reason, Michael B. Jordan, I feel like has not put out any movies or nothing that I've tuned into. All of it I've been excited about, but there's been very few points where I look at it and say, mm, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like I, I love Creed. I love Creed 1 and 2. I'm ready for Creed 3 to come out, right? Him in Black Panther was beautiful. His whole character, the whole persona, the energy, the the... Him and Black Panther was who we none of us had realized we needed to be yet. I don't think many of us realized that was the individual that was needed. The, act, the revolutionary that seems so, you seem like a rep. It's who we used to have, right? We used to have the revolutionaries that it seemed like they were extreme. And it's like, no, this is actually one very apt for the situation. In fact, you know, it could be much more. And two, it's exactly what's, what's needed in general. So it doesn't really matter, right? You can't speak to levels when we're at the level that is that's called for. So pointing back to those shows, I'm like, I, I, I look at them and I say they're not raunchy, but they also don't pretend, right? They don't pretend to be, because that is what that that's truly, I think, the essence of black creativity, especially like even looking at a show like Abbott Elementary. I think what's what's interestingly and deeply funny about Abbott Elementary is the jokes it makes. They are black jokes, but they're not jokes about black people. If that may, you know, like there, that's, I think that's where we, we lost for so long and we were losing the battle. Again, looking at shows like Blackish, black jokes, but they're not necessarily jokes about black people. Or if they are jokes about black people, it's not at their, not at our expense. That's, that's one thing. I think the boondocks, the reason it's able to be in a different stratosphere is that was very clear that this is, this is what the message is. This is, it was kind of the black South Park, 
doing what South Park couldn't, well, and we talk about what South Park can't do. I'm not sure that there's much that they can't do because they just choose to go at it. Right. But it's it's taking the family guy South Park dynamic and saying, fuck it. If they can make these jokes, why can't we make these jokes and actually make the jokes like we we're making them from a place of experience, not just conjecture and, and belief and, you know, stereotypes. Right. And that that for so long, I think, is where BET got lost in making the stereotype shows The the. This is what, because I say often, like stereotypes, they exist for a reason, right? Like people didn't just make them up and they didn't just, well, I mean, I guess people did just make them up, but they didn't, they continue to be prevalent, continue to be almost proven till you get to a point where you're like, hmm, okay, maybe these are not just bullshit. Maybe these are truth to an extent. And that's how they continue to, to live and hold water. Now, when you do stand back and yeah, readjust for most of them, they tend to be generalizations. And that is where you, you know, completely miss the boat. But again, you have when you're making shows that are completely, I think, made around the stereotypes, right? Made around the idea of the stereotypes, not just implementing them. It's one thing to implement them. Again, like in Abbott Elementary, this past episode, the Valentine's episode, Vince getting Janine or Maurice in the episode, in the show, getting Janine that Telfar bag. And then, uh, girl, you better put some caps on them pins, girl. It's a, it's funny because it's all fact. Like it's like no, that does happen. A nigga don't know his girl, but he think that I'll, and not that he necessarily he don't know his girl, but this is his vibe. That's not her vibe, and there's no issue with it. That's the that thing that definitely is a core of it. It's not making the Telfar bag, getting the Telfar bag an issue. It's the disconnect within the relationship that is evident through this stereotype, right? And then you're able to make a joke off of it that is simply just true. You better put some caps on them pants, girl. Don't just throw no random, don't throw no open colorful pants in this Telfar bag. Don't do that. So like I said, you know, these, these ones that are based on stereotype, I think there's a difference when you have the shows that are not necessarily raunchy. You know, they may have the sex scenes, even in the sense of a power where there's death, there's murder, right? There's adultery. Godfather of Harlem, there is black men killing black men, but there's a reality in it rather than a, you know, you're, you're depicting what is true and kind of changing the narrative of it in a sense versus creating the narrative off of what is not true. And then saying, again, like I've talked about before, if you turn around and say, well, look, this is what's happening. And all you did was either paint the picture directly off what you just saw, or you force the image upon it you have a very flawed image there, right? And like, look, these shows are wild, no doubt, but they don't, they don't paint this hood energy that feeds the white mind like BET has done for so long. And like as someone who watches, I love shows like Billions. Billions is one of my favorite shows. I like House of Cards. You know, I like, um, what's the show that was on NBC? The Blacklist, love those shows. I like political you know, dramas in general. But what I noticed specifically about those shows is they're the same way on the other side. That's why it feels different when you talk about, again, the powers, the reasonable doubt, Godfather of Harlem. There's a, you talk about that lack of pretending. It is just, create one is just creating a show, right? I don't think there is, an, uh, there is an intent behind it, but the deeper message is not, it's not some drastic attempt to change the narrative of black people as much as it just does so in making right in making the, the show you look at i think one a different level of representation without question that alone is is huge but I, I think specifically a show like scandal and again godfather of harlem reasonable doubt and you look at 
Um, what's the show with Viola? How to Get Away with Murder. Intense, wild Atlanta. Intense, wild ass shows that have, again, stereotypes within them. But I look at it and I'm like, yo, there is some power in this. There, I've never looked at it like this. Or I have looked, I fully have looked at it like this. This is what I know to be true. This is my actual experience. This is the life or reasonable doubt where it's like, that's, I want to be that. I want to have that power. Um, and I think, again, their drama is about power. That at the seat of it is actually depicting black people in a space of power versus poverty, showing that sense of prosperity and affluence. And not through, you know, obviously with power and Godfather of Harlem, it's different. But even power, you have him trying to get out of the game. You have Ghost trying to be legit. He wants to go legit, which you can ask questions about whether the effort was actually there. I think that is so much of a, a premise of the show. But you also have one like Godfather of Harlem where he is, even there's, you know, ill-gotten gains, he's doing good in the community. He's doing good. He's actually, he wants to do things better. Right, he's trying to improve. It's just the circumstances. You're talking about circumstances versus comprehension of circumstance, and what you do with it is what you know what you make of it. But I'm like, even more, they put people who look like me and actually represent my interests, story, and amb ambitions in a position of power. Again, like the and we get to that point. Life, the show, life that was on ABC. I really liked it. I didn't too much. I was the acting got out of. I'm sure it just was simply that this was another Fifty Cent produced show. I'm sure there's some some core to it of the acting just wasn't all the way there. The quality of the show maybe wasn't all, all the way there. But I, there's a lot of shows like that all over ABC and CBS that y'all keep producing. And I have to question, why don't we keep the black shows around? I, that's, that's the question I will continue to ask. I don't too much know. I know, but I don't, obviously, you know, I'm not in these rooms where the decisions are being made, so I'm not gonna accuse anybody of anything. I just look at what is likely to be true, right? But the same reason I see these shows in a different light, it's the reason that I can listen to Old J, Reasonable Doubt, and Nas, but so much of the new music throws me off. And I say new music, I'm talking about a lot of that comes out of my own home city. I don't listen to a lot of Dirk. I listen to Dirk, but most of Dirk stuff I don't listen to. Polo G, I, I would turn it off. I would turn it away. Herb, Herb's a little different. I don't know some about G Herbo, but even with that, it feels different in the way that I feel more like he's telling a story. I know he's telling a story and so much, so much of it feels like my story. Right. So there's a different level of relation there. I said, I call music like theirs and even Nipsey's and Mozzie's. It's a grown man cloth talk. That's what I call it. Because, again, it's telling a story. Right. And that's why when I talk about save and save the music, excuse me. The reason that's so important to me, it's not even necessarily saying either of these two things, that everything has to be conscious rap. It's not saying that at all. Not saying every TV show has to be politically charged or power-based, right? You can have an Abbott Elementary that's just jokes. You can have Insecure. I love Insecure, a black lady sketch show, shows like Southside. Like you can have the, but you know what they do? They put on display black creativity they interweave stories and important messages within them. And at every point you can tell that there is a black person again telling their story through this message, through this medium of creativity. Like that's the beauty of all of it. I tweeted, uh, it's like, it's the stuff that, that comes and it adds, like I said, it always adds up, but it's never really on purpose per se. But I tweeted and I love anybody listening to this. I appreciate y'all 
I say anybody listening to this, but truthfully, I don't expect to have a million, I mean, a million followers ever or a million listeners. That's not the goal. I tweeted, I may not have a big audience, but I have the freedom to create what resonates with me and share my message with my tribe. Because if you're here, if you're here, tune into this, you are part of my tribe. That gives me the capacity to be myself and extend that space of the platform for expression. Like that is what art and creativity are all about. Right. And I think we've lost so much of that, but a lot of it is coming back in through black creators, through these black artists. And we, you know, I say entertainers because it is entertainment, black entertainment television, but that's just a phrase. It's a, it's a word. It's a turn of phrase. It's a way to label. Like this is expression. This is expression of spirit, expression of soul, expression of heart, beauty, love, imagination, pain, right? Regret, hurt. Everything is tied into these TV shows, but it's beautiful because you have that. That, that is one thing that, that black creativity has always thrived at so well, right? From the music to the movies, we insert every, um, because we are spiritual, emotional beings, we insert life. Like we breathe life into the things that we do from dance to it, it's everything. Dance to TV, to comedy, all of it. We, cause that that really is when I talk about creativity being a connection to source, like that's what it feels like you're seeing so often is a it's those you I can see Quinta Brunson's download from source, her connection to Muse through Abbott Elementary, right? I can see Robin Thede's connection to source through a black lady sketch show. I can see Issa Rae's connection to source when I watch Insecure or when I watch um what's my the this show I love, uh, LA, can't think of the name of it. Sweet Life, I love Sweet Life as a reality show because again, it paints, there is a lot of realness painted in that. I'm like, yes, that's exactly how shit looks. For uh, That's exactly how these, how our groups, how our friendships look, but there's a beauty, the beauty at the core of it. I don't know who's down there hooping, but my thing, be, people be down there hooping, I'm one of them, making a whole bunch of noise. It's like, nigga, you're not nice. <laughs> like, you're not nice like that. And I can't, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. Like I said, I'm one of them. And I'd be down there hooping my ass off, knowing I look like a goofball. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Right. But I, I said, you know, even when they mention death or drugs, it's like Cole said. And I, I bring this lyric up, but you've probably heard this on five, six episodes at this point. Cole, the wrong one, bringing the city shine. All he ever doing is painting pictures of crime. Telling stories of pain, painting pictures of dope. Bitch, if you listen, I'm painting pictures of hope, right? I think that's, again, when I talk about target audience versus targeted audience, it's, it's funny because that is how we, we are really getting to our power, I think, within our culture. That's how we're, it's the, it's being the spook who sat by the door in so many instances, right? Like Nipsey said, the spook by the door, this is the infiltration. They will back dressed in blue light. Take the money, take the power and the, it's like, yeah, you, you, it's this. I want this chain for myself. This chain represents something much larger than the money that I've gained, right? Than the affluence that, but you look at me and you say, nigger, you, you, you view a monkey, you view a thug, you view, because I have this Jesus piece on and that's fine. And this is not speaking to, this is speaking to people who actually, you know, can't afford it and are, and are at the space where they can do something about it. Not talking about the people who are flaunting and flogging for show, right? But there's something about, and that's why you look at, there's an, there's getting a rock chain, like why that matters. So, 
Nah, it's me and Tommy, I love it. We were talking yesterday about the song off of Big Sean, off of um, I Decided, or maybe Nah I Decided, maybe one of those first, like early albums. He has a song with Nas called First Chain, right? J. Cole has Chaining Day on, um, on Born Center. And it, it's so, I think those songs are so important. I said, I was like, they, it gave me a different outlook on something that for so long I had been and are still being told, rich white people don't do that. Rich, you these billionaires, all they do, they walk around. Well, these niggas don't have no style either. They don't have no swag. They don't have any culture to draw from, right? But there's a different, Steve Jobs, He's he was able to do the, and I have no issue with the, I'm like, shit, Steve was cleaning his little uh, K-Swiss, his, his semi-baggy jeans and his black turtleneck. He was smooth in that. I love it. But there's a little some extra for me that says, yeah, I do want to I want to have the THC chain because it shows something. But I'm not going to do it as a way to show to, to emanate status. It's a status to actually. Have. That's why when I look at status symbols, right, like the idea behind a status symbol. And, that, and that's why it's so funny. There was a TikTok the other day about black girl, rich black girl TikTok, which I'm not, you know, the hugest fan of either. But I'm not a fan of rich, fake it. Make it fake it bullshit TikTok in general. Like the fake it to you, Cole says, I love it. He says, made it, then I faked it. Acting like I gave a fuck money I was saving up to buy a crib that's gated to the 100 racks I gave it up. That's in chaining day. I need you to love my chaining day. My last piece, I swear. My guilt heavy as this piece I wear. They even iced out Jesus here, right? It's, it's something about that, that that told me, look, young brother, it's okay to want the chain and the nice car and the nice house and the pretty wife. Especially if you love the wife and the, the nice car is the one that you worked your ass off for and the house is filled with love and beautiful children and the chain represents something, right? The chain I wear right here on my neck, my it's a it's got a cross and the Lord's prayer on it. There was no, not that there was no amount of money I would, I obviously would have capped at a, at a certain price, but I was fine spending what I did on it because it meant something more than just the chain. Like you think you think of like things losing their value at a certain point. This has not lost its value in three years from me. And I don't expect it to. And you know, obviously you get to that point of goalpost moving. But at some point, you know, we I think we we have to get out of the idea of because that is a conditioning in itself. It's is being told by individuals that don't know shit about our history story or don't want to, right? The same ones that are have hid it from us, and then they turn around and say, don't do this because this is not how things go. This is not how we do it. I don't give a fuck how you do it. I'm doing it how we do it, right? Politics as usual. Brooklyn's finest. Can't knock the hustle. Can I live? Got my first chain. The, the, the rock chain, the QB chain, like all those different aspects, those things are, it's a symbol. Getting a, a quality control chain or a 4, 4PF chain, getting the OTF, that's a symbol of, of family, right? Of connection, of community, right? You are now within a brotherhood, within a family, rock la familia, the dynasty from here, from the 2000s to infinity. Like that's what he was saying. And that's what the rock chain symbolized, right? It meant that you are now a part of this from now until forever. You good. Hove has a line where he says, um, he says, they live like, he's talking about his homies. They look like rappers. They don't even have bills. He says, as long as a guy's in my will somewhere, He's a millionaire. He can just sit back and chill somewhere, right? And I think that's so beautiful. But again, we're talking about 
You know where that starts? When he puts that chain around your neck. When he, once he puts that chain around your neck, you're good. And it's not saying you're good just because I got you. I got you and you're good, right? So I was like, I, I feel like there's this difference in, look, right there. There's this difference in the programming for two reasons. The intention of the output and my ability to filter my intake, right? And that's where you go back to the targeted audience versus the targeting an audience and then your general target audience. I may not, for a lot of things, I probably am not the target audience. And then there's a lot of things where I am, where I don't, I don't give it any energy. No, I pay it no mind. Because the, the fact that I am your target audience says, I don't want it to have shit to do with me. I don't want to be tar- part of a lot of the target audiences. Um, and then, right, I just talked about it. Reasonable Doubt, the TV show names each episode after a Jay song and plays them throughout the show. So how can I turn that down? And again, that's, that's pointing to the, the reason that I didn't, I was going to watch the Grammys, but ended up not watching the Grammys. I haven't watched the Grammys and I don't, ha- and I don't know how long. I don't, I'm not a Grammys fan. Like the Grammys don't really matter to me, especially because the Grammys sent that nigga home 0 for 8. He said, tell the Grammys fuck that 0 for 8 shit. Have you ever heard the crowd growing ape shit? They, they booked Jay-Z the same night that they didn't give Beyonce album of the year. That like, you fucking know what you're doing. You thought by half, and then apparently they had Jay wait till the very end. I think we talked about this last episode. Like you had you had that man wait till the end of the end of the perform end of the show because you knew that was the only way you would have gotten a nigga like me to watch the whole thing. But I didn't. I'm like, no, no, thank you. You're you're not gonna draw me in through a Jay. You only got a Jay Z. Uh, you only got Jay Z to perform because you want to get niggas watching the Grammys. Get Jay-Z to perform every year. How about that? No, I don't, I'm joking. I don't know about that. But like there's this, I don't know, there's this broader, broader scale, broader, I think, issue, again, as far as the representation on both sides. Representation just for representation's sake is almost worse than I wouldn't not not in reality because it does, you know, we're talking about opportunity. And at the core of it, that's what, you know, the the mission is. But it's, it's also an, a big issue when the people that you're giving representation and opportunity to <clears throat> are not truly for the culture, right? They have, they are kind of anti-black, right? They're not actually, they're not doing the handshake. They get the handshake and then they don't turn around and extend it. It was like, yeah, it's all, it's all fine and dandy and amazing to see a black man or a black woman, you know, be a leading, have a leading role in some shit. But it's like, okay, he's, he's a leading role in a movie. And at no point is he he or she coming, as that individual coming to say, hey, I know this talent, this extremely talented black producer, director that can help showrunner, whatever. And then you have the, obviously you have the ones that do and that they are, and you can feel it, right? That's what I thought, that's why I thought it was so weird. I still think it's so weird, the, the attention that, or the energy that somebody like Kenya Barris gets when it's like, he's making actual black content like y'all everybody's so focused on they were so much talking about the colorism i'm like that was fucking weird to me let's focus on the fact that they canceled his show and all of them all of them said it wasn't ready to be canceled yet we were not ready to be done at least one more season could have wrapped it up the way you wanted to he talked about how many more stories he had that he wanted to tell and it was interesting even hearing him talk about the stories he wanted to tell because at at points it was like i felt like Okay, it seems like you're wanting to tell some of the stereotypical stories that have to be told. But then I realized, yeah, they are the ones that have to be told because the image that does exist for them is either completely broken bullshit. 
it was it was always interesting to me the way that you know they had they had the money to do what they had to do similar to the cosby's theo not wanting to go to college junior going to howard and then being like yo this isn't for me right because i was thinking it was the, the TikTok, another one that was talking about and this is very much true young black girls not having a space for representation not having a space to like they're shopping at the same stores they're shopping fashion over and sheen and skims and shit like that's not for that's not for little girls and i don't know where the what i'm not a parent so i don't know where you you know where the other alternative options or if they exist excuse me but i do know as far as the social media representation everybody's got a bbl everybody's wearing sheared skin tight clothing it's like what image are we portraying and again it's the same way for the guys like i'm like i i i grew up jaheem right this is even just the music side i grew up jaheem jay-z nas got j cole at the perfect time even the drakes of it that the grown man cloth, like when it gets down to him telling a story that's gonna make you feel some shit and make you feel like a, a boss and show a black man how to stand tall, he has that without question, right? Rick Ross, and we're, it's not even just the rappers of it, but also seeing, again, athletes. And it's funny with uh, the Earn Your Leisure clip the other day of Rashad saying, we, we need to give entrepreneurs as much you know credit and exposure as we do entertainers. And I fully agree. And it wasn't until recently that I, I really was started learning about different black entrepreneurs. And I say recently, I say the past few years more so, but it's also because it's not that they don't exist. And that's where a lot of this started. A lot of my, you know, where I came into this was last year when I started wondering, damn, there's not a whole lot of black success stories, right? Like black success models more so. And not that just that they don't exist, but if they are, they're not promoted. Right, they're not put on the big screen. I thought it was interesting, especially again looking at a show like Billions, right, or House of Cards. And when it comes to Godfather of Harlem, Power, BM, like all the BMF, all these shows versus Reasonable Doubt, Scandal, they and this is no separation. This is just talking about what the 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 machine does, what the people in place of power do, and it's it's a well thought out, well planned out scheme, right, of separation and division, but putting all the power positions, black women and white men, to, to continue the representation of, it's the, you look at the reflection of, especially within politics and the, the power players kind of thing, and you wonder, that's why I think I like Madam Secretary so much, right? Or like why I like the blacklist so much. Because even still, like it was like, I've, how often do you get to actually see a white woman play the hero, you know? And, but even so, so, so rarely do we get to see a black man be the hero or be a true hero, not even an anti-hero. Oftentimes he's the, he's the anti-hero and that just is the case. In the case of Ghost, in the case of Bumpy, like if you do have a black man in a position of power, he's a ghost, right? He's, he has an alter ego or persona that nobody that, or that very few actually know about and that's a cold-blooded killer. And I'm like, that. why does it have to be that? In the case of, that's why I loved so much Blackish. It was That was the first time where I had never even thought about the idea of marketing or, or advertising or anything like that, really. That was the first time where I was like, yo, wait a minute. Like, you can be fly and boss up at the same time. Like, I'd be a Black man and do it. Similar to Black AF. It was like, yo, you can you can be that. And it doesn't have to be through rap, doesn't have to be through 
basketball, football. It, there's so many different avenues. But again, talking about the lack of success models, not even stories, but success models. And the reason that I say models is the reason that success models matter so much. Blueprints. Speaking of Jay again, that'll be a, a fun episode, the Blueprint episode, one, two, and three. <laughs> That's crazy. Guy's got three Blueprint albums. Because um, he did. I mean, he set the Blueprint so much of what what the extension of not just an artist, not just an entertainer, right? A lot of guys these days, and I, I, I talked to this about, me and Tommy were talking about this yesterday, and this is now coming full circle as far as the thought of it. I was telling him, you know, there's a different stratosphere that you get to when you are kind of the Drake um, even, you know, Beyonce, as far as all time artists and, and this different category, because I think what really represents a great artist, especially in the in the 21st and, and turn of the century age is. Can you extend beyond just the music and not specifically saying how a lot of guys these days say, I want to be seen as more than just a rapper. And then they go fucking sing. They go and make pop. I don't mean that. It's the can you be a mogul? Like, can you survive off? Drake says, if me and Future had it made it with just rapping, we'd probably be out in silicone trying to get our billions on. And that's the point that these niggas are at it. They're, that's where they've gotten, right? Showing that there is V, like Nas. You can be a VC that dropped out of school at, and I'm not at all promoting dropping out of school at eighth grade, but I'm promoting alternative education for sure. I'm promoting a different route to you know, kind of enlightenment and consciousness and understanding and, and knowledge and, and again, education because they weren't teaching the shit that he knows. He didn't learn that in school. He learned that in the streets, the School of Hard Knocks and Black Excellence University, right? That's some good tea. And I just spilled. Point being, the success models, I, I think the large lack of them, and that's why, you know, Black entertainment television as a concept matters so much. That's why... The edutainment side of it matters so much. That's why positive, strong messaging and music work matters so much. Because at the end of the day, if this is where we're going to turn, because it is how we connect and it is how we express, but they know that, right? They, they know this. They're aware. And I say they, we know again, we know who they is. They're aware of this. They're aware of how we, what we pull in. They're aware that podcasts became a big thing over the pandemic. So what do you do? You give a fucking mic and a podcast deal to every... Tom, Dick, and Dickhead, right? To every Tommy, Dick, and Dickhead that ain't talking about shit worth of nothing. The niggas that get on there talk, the, I love the people who, who are joking on it these days. Because I do agree. I'm like, I'm not saying take the mics. No, not at all. Look, I'm on one. I, I love the idea of saying you can take it into your own. Again, you can take that into your own hands and share your message and share what resonates. But that's what's not happening, right? Niggas are trying to follow this formula for clout. And the, the issue is that it works. Right. That I think that is like the if it continues to work, it's the why break a, a system, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's not broken. It just works terribly or the way it works is horrible. Fix the system. And that that's where so much of this comes down to at every point is is the fixing of a system, this fixing of these norms and rules of engagement that are handed down from niggas who don't they don't know shit about the people they're giving rules to. Or they're given rules based off of themselves and only their it's it's the uh it's the Bible, right? And I don't mean the Bible specifically, but it's the you know the method of control, right? You only give a a certain set set of options that look good from the outside, they look good from every angle, right? Their grass is greener because they mowed it. 
Like you, all you know is that your grass isn't isn't the grass you want to have, and you're like, damn. They keep telling me this is how they got to the grass, or this is how you get to the grass. Never telling you you got to do a whole bunch of shit to keep that grass intact. There's so few of these success models that actually are promoted and and looked at as like how we don't talk about the Robert Smiths and the Don Peebles enough. We don't we we're so quick to talk about Tyler Perry in a movie aspect or what he's doing him dressing up as Medea and not quick enough to say how many black people he's employing at this fucking hundred million billion acre compound that he owns where Marvel and all these different entities are having Disney Paramount are having to come to him to use his studio to record and the larger legacy play of the land and property underneath it that he now gets to say I don't not only am I passing this on to my seed and next generation the Perry's but these are parcels that we can, the same way the U.S. government was able to do so for so long, the Homestead Act. Okay, so now as Tyler Perry and T.D. Jakes, when you go and buy this 500,000 acres of land, I'm not sure what the actual number is, but these hundreds of thousands, or these thousands of acres of land, you can, sorry, you can incentivize and encourage other brilliant artists and creators and entrepreneurs and bosses and and generally whatever the hell you want to it's now you, you can build the pie factories staff it with workers these are all the rules are yours right legacy plays man it's it's so much broader and i think again when we look at the mo- the the artists who are who have gone vertical who are going vertical you know, what Nipsey was doing and, and what is continue to happening with the marathon continues a state, what Jay is doing at a larger scale, um, you know, all these different entities that are building something, I think bigger than how it looks on the surface, but that's because how it looks on the surface, I mean, one, it looks huge on the surface in general, but I think how it looks on the surface, just not, it doesn't get again, the promotion. It doesn't get the attention, the elevation, the exposure, the excitement that it deserves. And it's larger because you do have, you got Don Peebles and Robert Smith. And then looking the other day, the, the man, Black Smoke, Black ta- uh, black Tattoo, Black Tat, the dude from New Orleans that is, um, that opened, that has the hookah, that's fruit based, no nicotine, no tobacco. That's fucking huge. I'm like, I'm about to get myself out to New Orleans soon enough, go see my sister and puff on some fruit hookah. That sounds phenomenal. But even like looking at Earn Your Leisure specifically, what 19 Keys and Ian Dunlap and uh, him and Marcus Barney, these different individuals who are making something so much bigger than themselves, right? That's going to, it's a catalyst. It's a catalyst for change. It's a, it's an exciting time to be a part of because it's like, yo, it's not only showing what's possible, but it's showing what was once seen as maybe impossible or not even thought of as an idea, as a probability. Again, it's showing like this is okay. Well, they did it. Why the hell not? So I don't know. I, I look at the the grander scheme of it all, and and so much of it again ties into our media, our media output and in, intake. You know, the consumption of it, but also it's it's so big in in what we're giving out. It's like it's the same when they talk about the reason that they want, some of the reason they want to ban TikTok in the U.S. They're like Chinese TikTok. These kids, all they have is education. They don't get any really other choice. There is no bullshit. There is no nonsense all over their their timelines, their scrolling feed. There is no real doom scrolling for them because if you doom scroll, if you just scroll for hours, you're probably going to come out smarter. You're, you are going to come out smarter, more educated, more informed versus this system that we've got here that intentionally 
exposes us to so much that is not worth our time. That is why perfect way, perfect segue into, into an ending. That is why we are building Black Excellence University and the Black Excellence University Network. B-U, B-E-U. You know, again, the, large, the, the point of that is to celebrate, cultivate, and create Black excellence. I asked yesterday, like, not only in the who is making the rules, but who says that we can't continue to create more Black excellence? Like, we already embody it, but it's about, you know, again, cultivating, celebrating, and creating it. Like, creating the art behind it, creating the individuals. You got to, like I say, I've said before, you got to build the boss. Right? You can be a boss, but you got to build the boss. And that's, you know, a lot of what that, that goes into as far as creating black excellence is building the boss. It's a mental game as much as anything else. The talent, I like to teach and build. We're brothers about how easy it is to reach a mill. All you need is some skill. It's all in the mind. Imagine, yeah, it's all in the mind. Imagination better than knowledge is Einstein. It's all in the mind. But it's a mental game, right? Like this is mental warfare at its core. The thing is like love is war. We don't have to play, we don't have to play war games. No, no, no. We don't have to play war games. We can play love games, and that's the warfare. Competition as a form of col- or collaboration as a form of competition. We work together to continue to beat each other out so that we can continue to work together and make shit bigger together. Create, cultivate, celebrate Black excellence. Right? It's so possible, and it's it, it truly is the easiest route. And that's when I talk about it being, you know, people love to say, easier said than done. Bullshit. I just said it. It wasn't hard to say. So how hard is it to do? Right. You know, what's easier, just as easily done as said is coming together and uniting under United Front, under one umbrella and saying, fuck it. Nobody gets rained on if we just keep building this umbrella out. If you've ever seen a flash mob where they all put their umbrellas up at once. One, it's beautiful. Two, you got one big ass umbrella. Right. Shout out Rihanna. I'm off my soapbox, man. That wasn't even preaching. That wasn't, I mean, it's no soapbox. It's not preaching. It's just facts. It simply is just the truth. Reasonable doubt and black entertainment television. Thing about BET is, I, and I don't, I'm not a, I don't really watch it. I, I haven't in a long time. I don't watch it. I don't know what the shows are like these days. I've seen clips on Twitter and whatnot, and it seems like it's still raunchy smut, if we're being honest. And I know we we're just talking about Tyler. I know he's behind a lot of it. I Look, I, that I can't call. What I can call is... Look, the man's making a, a giant legacy play, right? And that is an inspiration in itself. If the ends justify the means, the thing, if the ends justify the means and the ends are truly altruistic, why can't we make the means so as well? That's That was my issue with effective altruism, right? Is at its core, it, it points to, and it was interesting to see uh, Todd say this the other day, extremism in a way, right? You have to be extreme. You have to be a hoarder, essentially. You have to be going after... And there's no issue with getting your bag at all. Get your fucking bag. But if you're saying I'm going to wait until I'm up 100 billion to give 50 billion away. Giving 50 billion away is beautiful without question. But Why'd you have to get to 100 billion to do that? Especially I, I'm like, it's funny because we know so much money is made through partnerships and agreements alone. If we get the people with the money to continue to make, if you just make good faith, trust based agreements and partnerships. Doesn't that the same way that you make bullshit, evil, under the table deals, the bad stuff, you do the bad stuff in rotation? Uh, and that, I guess that's the core. When, I, when you talk about, like, again, easier said than done, it's very easily said, but somebody has to fucking say it first. Like, I think that's probably where we're at in so much of this is 
Easier said than done. Okay, well, let's say it. Get that part out the way. Now do it. Now do it. Next week, we will have an interview. Hopefully, I think next week, I believe Tuesday. Don't quote me on that. We're getting that figured out. But likely Tuesday, we will have my guy, Chef Lonnie G., who phenomenal vegan chef. I say phenomenal like I've tasted his food. I just look, it's one of those things, seeing is believing it, and I've seen it, and I'm, I believe it. Um, chef out of out of Miami. Man, that's that's a good guy, man. We're again, we're building out a tribe. And when I say that, if it's one, it's one by one, and not even if it is one by one. One by one is the way that I want to go about it. It's beautiful because you can vet a little bit easier when you're not doing it on mass. Right. And the vetting side of building a tribe, especially the way we're trying to build it. Like I said, this is the this is the mind game. It's mental warfare. You do have to think and move a certain way. You have to actually believe a certain set of values and virtues and traditions and ideas and, and be going toward. We don't have I said it. We don't have to be taking the same route. We don't have to have the same vision. But when the mission and the goal are aligned, we're good. Because you're not going to do anything to fuck me and I'm not going to do anything to fuck you because if we fuck each other, we're going to fuck each other out of the out of the win. Right. Teamwork makes the dream work. Facts are facts. Facts are fiction. I don't know. You tell me what I got. I I mean, I don't have it. It's uh, somewhere in my I had a little Twitter account that I made for poetry and then I logged out of it and I don't know the password or actually I think I can look it up through my own. Twitter. Let's see real quick. It's actually a beautiful tweet. Oh, this actually kind of feels like deja vu. I have deja vu ridiculously often. I think I think people know that. I think I talk about that fairly often. I have, it, but that is people, and you may not like me saying it, that's just me being ahead of my time. I'm so often ahead of the curve. It's not a, not a toot in my horn. It's just the truth. Fame or fortune, fact or fiction. Force or facade, Freedom to fly. Choose your illusion. Thing about the illusion is visions are nothing more than than illusions, right? Things we imagine we create in our head, but it becomes reality when you do the f- imagination and action are the ingredients to manifestation, right? And that's what we're looking at. I, I, I can only be around individuals that understand that above all else. We have to be able to see it to achieve it, but we've also got to work to achieve it. But we're going to achieve it, right? Like that's the, it's those three levels. And if you got that, you got me and when we can ride. So shout out Black Excellence University, right? This is always a part of it. I am building out the community side of it. I'm looking at, there's this app I like. I'm, I'm thinking, like I said, I talked about Facebook. I don't want people to have to go outside of the kind of native apps that we already you know, use, but also I want to escape the centralized ecosystem so it's on it's on both sides of asking that question but we'll know soon enough in the meantime in between time here you go shout out get on my tiktok i'm i'm active on tiktok a little bit recently i say that i posted like three videos in two days that's a lot for me so shout out my tiktok i believe it's it's gonna be it's always in the um in the show summary Follow me on TikTok. My TikTok is M underscore Hendrix27. No, I'm lying. Marcus Hendrix27. M-A-R-C-U-S-H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-27. The numbers. And other than that, I'll see y'all when I see y'all. Today is Thursday, so we won't be back till Tuesday. I'm not doing three episodes this week. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all.
Stay easy out there. Stay safe. Stay dangerous. Peace. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of goals. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of goals. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. Hey. I grind to get a lot of dough and dirt through all the obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of goals. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. All I know is get paper. All I do is shit major. Bought a condo on the top floor in the buildings, the skyscraper. Feeling like I'm Kobe, LeBron for the Lakers. Feeling like I'm Idris, Paul Walker.